Welcome to Making Moves with Matt, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the art of making moves. My name is Matt, just a young buck, 41 countries deep, in my mission to hit every country in the world. Let's get it. Hey, what's up, my fellow move makers? It's Matt again. We got a super fun episode planned today. So meeting back up with a friend whom I met a few years ago, back when we were teaching in South Korea, Uh, my man's Dario, who is uh, calling from the other side of the globe right now. I'm calling from Istanbul, and he is nine hours ahead of me in New Zealand. So why don't you introduce yourself? My name's Dario. I'm a fellow American of of Matt's. I'm from... uh from San Francisco Bay Area originally, but grew up outside uh, Boston. And uh, yeah, Matt and I met through, uh, we met through ITA, right? Yeah, International TEFL Academy, and then in Seoul. Um, so yeah. Yeah, so me, me and this man is dying, so we met, um, well first I, you were in my, my, my now girlfriend's, um, I guess a Facebook group because y'all yes. are going to Korea together. Yeah, and so I think you you started you started a group chat or something, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know if I started it or I I might have started it. I don't know, um, but yeah, we I think through ITA they set us up with like the other people that were uh, planning on going to Korea around the same time. So either I might have started it or they may have prompted us to start it. But anyway, it was a good, great resource because, uh, you know, that situation, you live there. It's like when you're you're moving across the world to a country you've never been. It's good to, to talk with like minded, you know, people that are all trying to figure out what it's going to be like and what to expect and teaching and et cetera. So, yeah, went from there. That's right. So then. Then we met twice because um, Dari was in Seoul and I was in the south in, in Busan. And so, yeah, we went up and it was a, a cool meetup. You know, we've been chatting for, I guess, quite some time. And yeah, this man's Dari took me around his uh, neck of the woods. We went to a uh, rural market, did you say we went to? Uh, I've, if I remember, I have a terrible memory. So hopefully that doesn't come back to bite us in this podcast. But uh, I believe it's called Guang, Guangzhou. It's the one uh, it's super famous because it has that noodle lady in there that was on uh, on that Netflix series. Anyway, it's a it's a super old market in the center of Seoul. It's like the most famous one of the more famous markets there. And they've got a ton of traditional uh, Korean food. So uh, since you were coming up, I had been there once or twice to try some different foods out. But since you were coming up, I figured it'd be a good, uh, good place to meet up. So. And it was, it was. I think we, we were eating good. We could have some little, little drinks in us. It was a Sunday fun day, I believe. I believe oh, it was a Sunday. So that, yeah. that was fun. Then I went back to Busan, and then I had to get my uh, passport renewed. And so I was I had to go to Seoul again, and that's where we uh, linked up again, which I don't know if you remember, but for, for those of y'all listening, in, in Korea, um, I think a big thing, I'm sure at your school too, where – we have to change our shoes. Uh, you have like a set of school shoes to to be at your school, and uh, I I forgot to change my my shoes, so I had these uh for like uh-huh. shoes that I mean they're uncomfortable anyways, let alone in a school. Um, but you know I'm like taking an, uh, an airplane and walking around Seoul with these goofy rubber shoes, and I remember you pointed it out. I think I was on your Instagram story, like look at this man getting his damn shoes and. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know, I had to tease you a little bit. Uh, if you pull, you pull a move like that. But yeah, now that you say that, I do. I yeah. Do that specifically, because we were in front of a. I forget where in Seoul we were, but yeah, we, I remember we were in front of the big I Seoul U. I'm and uh, yeah, that was fun. This was back in twenty twenty. We said twenty twenty. Yeah. That's wild. So here we are, three years later. So we got a lot to unpack this i know episode. and i need to i need to go back to korea now that covid's over i didn't get to experience uh the full the real the real korea you know it's sad but anyway yeah 
it's a lot of FOMO. Like I'm sure you follow people, you know, still there kind of thing. And just, you know, when we were there, there's so many restrictions and, you know, life was just so different. So here it is, like I'm living vicariously through everyone now whom I guess I was just there at the wrong, wrong. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So I'm not going to go so much into, you know, living in Korea because, um, you know, I did it. Uh, I had an episode earlier with uh, with my girlfriend, Pearlie, whom, whom also did a kind of thing. Yeah. But this man's Dario has just, well, I'm not saying just returned, but you you went on quite uh, quite an adventure in uh, South America, correct? Yeah, Central and Central and South America. So I, uh, I obviously lived in Korea and then uh, came back to the States during COVID, the end of, or kind of the end of the COVID time there and worked a little bit and saved some money. And then uh, at the start of 2022 in January, I had been coordinating with some friends from the UK. So we started in Mexico and ultimately I ended, I made it all the way to the, the tip of Argentina. So the southernmost town uh, in the world in Ushuaia. Um, and that took me uh, just under a year. So it was like 352 days on the road or something. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was a doozy of a trip, man. Uh, I ended up going solo from Panama. So I split off from my friends in Panama, but we uh, we had traveled together through uh, starting in Mexico, and uh, I didn't take a flight until I got to Colombia, and just like a quick flight within Colombia. But yeah, all on the ground. It was. Uh, it was crazy. I think it was like 11 countries in total. Yeah, it was an epic time. I just remember, like, you were the most interesting Instagram account to follow at that time because it was every day this man's is, is somewhere that I want to go. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, I, I mean, I was hitting you up all the time. Like, damn, man, you're doing this. You're doing that. Like, why can't I be with you? But, yeah. Okay, so let's, let's, let's unpack this a little. Mm -hmm. So... The plan was, like going into it, I'm going to see how long it takes me to get to the bottom. You had a rough time cut out, or what was the initial planning, if there was any? Yeah, so as with uh, most things in life, the limiting factor was, of course, going to be money. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have, uh, I didn't, I wasn't working um, while I was doing, obviously, while I was doing it, so um it wasn't a time constraint maybe to come home for Christmas at the end of the year, but I originally didn't think I would make it as deep into South America as I did, but I ended up budgeting pretty well. And a lot of those countries obviously are, are pretty cheap, uh, barring a few, but um, yeah. So the plan was just kind of to, to keep going South and, and hit as many, you know, see as many beautiful places as I could see um and hadn't been to south america before that's the last continent that i hadn't besides antarctica uh that i hadn't been to so ended up hitting my sixth continent and uh yeah i mean originally uh the plan was to keep traveling with my two friends but then i decided to split off from them and i think they didn't uh end up continuing on as far south as i did um but yeah Plans changed up and uh, was solo for the for I think around seven months, uh, just rolling through these different countries. So it was uh, Mexico, Guatemala. Uh, I just passed through Honduras because very dangerous. Uh, El Salvador spent a little time there, not a ton. Nicaragua a little while, uh, maybe like two two or three weeks and then um into in oh pass through costa rica as well so one of the ways i saved money was i i costa rica obviously with american tourists flooding it is super expensive in comparison to the surrounding countries and and south a lot of south america as well because of the american tourists so sad because costa rica is obviously one of the more beautiful countries in the world. Uh, 
nature-wise. Um, so passed through there, then went into Panama and spent probably, I don't know, month, month and maybe month, month and a half there. And then one cool thing I did uh, was I sailed from Panama to Colombia. So, really? Yeah. So basically um, in s southern Panama slash northern Colombia is the Darien Gap. Have you heard of the Darien yeah. Gap? Yeah. Yes. That's a very uh, dangerous route, correct? Yes. Like, to go okay yeah 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 so uh you it's been done before by frankly by idiots uh trying to cross it by land uh and you it's it's technically feasible but yeah it's very extremely dangerous because it's run by uh like guerrilla groups and it's a big highway for the drug trade um so in order to bypass the Darien Gap, if you want to enter South America, you either fly into Colombia or take a boat. So, yeah, I was in um, a coastal town in Panama. I forget the name of it. But anyway, we sailed from Panama into Cartagena, Colombia, obviously a northern coastal town. A lot of fun. And uh, on the way... You bought you pass these islands. Um, why am I forgetting the name of the islands? Anyway, y yeah, they're I think they're technically Colombian islands. I can't, I don't know if they're technically Colombian islands or I think they're probably technically in Panama. Um, is it the was it San, San Blas? San, San Blas, Blas. sorry, yeah, San Blas, sorry. Um, and that was, yeah, that was an amazing experience. Um, sleeping on the sailboat one night and then two nights on the island in a hammock um, and made some really cool friends. You can do those trips uh, in like big ass, uh, like party boats, you know, with like, you know, if you want to go with like 30 people. Um, I opted to do it in like a smaller group around like 10 or 12. Um, and we went to like uninhabited islands. We still met some of the local people that the people that are native to the islands. I f unfortunately forget the, the name of them, but, um, but yeah, some of the other more party ones go to the bigger islands. But anyway, I opted for the smaller one, made some really close friends. Uh, it was just an amazing trip. They buy lobster right from the locals right off the islands. Uh, you know, dolphins swimming with the boat, beautiful weather, sunsets. Uh, yeah, it was incredible. So, yeah, I don't know how we got on got on to that specifically. But anyway, yeah, that, that was the general plan was, was just to go south and didn't think I would make it that far um, and ended up budging. With this itinerary, so you're in Colombia at this this moment. So basically, mm -hmm. what was the route afterwards that you did? Snaked your way down to Ushuaia. Where 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 did we go after Colombia? Yeah, so uh, it's going to be a lot. I I don't remember specifically, but like in Colombia, uh, obviously you've got Cartagena, unbelievable uh, party town. Yeah, yeah, um, a lot more expensive than other places in Colombia because of again tourism, but um, really fun time. Did did some partying there, met some cool people, and then I went uh, east along the northern coast there. So uh, Santa Marta, uh, Minca, Buritaca, uh I think I'm I think Palomino as well is up there. Uh, just really beautiful, beautiful area there along the coast. Um, one hostel I will shout out up there uh, that's incredible is uh, it's called it's one of, it's voted one of the best rated hostels in all of Colombia. It's called Lost yeah it's called Lost and Found Hostel, and I forget what. Again, my memory is going to kill me, but I forget exactly which town it's outside of. But obviously, if you look Lost and Found Hostel, it's right off one of those little coastal towns. 
but you have to take a motorbike up into the mountains for like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. And then you have to cross two rivers with all your stuff. So during rainy season, it can be brutal. But once you get there, it's just this gorgeous, hostile, uh, super secluded, but they've got, uh, you know, chefs, not chefs, but they have people that cook on, on staff and the meals are super cheap and really like super delicious meals. And you're just surrounded by like Colombian rainforest and super nice people. So if you ever get a chance, that's one hostel I would suggest. For all y'all listening and the hostel, if you're listening too, that's a little shout out to give us a little sponsor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, so did you feel lost and then found when you got to this hostel? Like, <laughs> I know you're in the middle of nowhere. Like, like, what, what, what did you do you feel any of that? Yeah, I mean, well, you definitely have to get lost to get there. Uh, so the name, the name's fitting. Uh, and yeah, and when you're getting up there, it's like, holy, am I allowed to swear on here? You do whatever you want. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's like holy shit. Like I'm wait, I'm out here. Uh, so uh yeah just just getting up there and then once you get there everyone's so sweet and it's right on a river as well like a a uh a beautiful river right down from where like the main area is so yeah shout out to that hostel um yeah i'm telling you it's it's rated like the highest one of the higher ones in all of Colombia. so check and you out. know why on instagram yeah exactly they've got an instagram page there as well okay okay so you're there then where are we going next? Then I, I'm trying to remember if I flew to Medellin from there. So I went, I went back along the, the northern coast back to Santa Marta. I do remember that. And I probably just took a bus then from Santa Marta down to Medellin. Um, and that, I mean, that place is it gets Medellin gets you know these days especially a ton of expats ton of you know remote workers uh but in my my experience it just lives up to the hype just in, an incredible city and you know probably the people that listen to your podcast are pretty you know will be pretty adventurous with their travel so maybe it's not the case for them but you know a lot of normal tourists here, Colombia, and they still think like, you know, Pablo Escobar and, you know, drugs. And it's, uh, it's such an incredible city and so much passion, so much culture, uh, beautiful women, if you're into that, and men, uh, depending on what you're into, uh, and party, party scenes out of control. Uh, yeah, just for you. Yeah. Have you been to have you been to Medellin? Uh for those of you who don't know, uh I'm Colombian on my, my mom's side. So my grandmother was, you know, from from Bogota. And um you asked if I had been to Medellin. I I have not, but my mom would go with my grandmother, you know, every summer up until I guess she was in high school or something. So she she went to Medellin a few times up until the eighties, um, when I guess things started getting um what people may think Columbia is at the current time, but you and I both know it, it has changed so much. But but she she was they did have to like eventually stop stop going there because of you know the the violence and and stuff like that. But um, so I've been to Columbia twice. We went with the whole fam. My, it was my grandmother's um, you know dream, I guess, to bring the whole fam back to Columbia. She, she was still going off and on throughout you know the years, but so we went to Bogota. Uh, Cartagena, Armenia, the coffee region. I don't know if you went there. Um, but no, Medellin, I wanted to go so bad. And so then I went with my, with the boys. We did a, a senior year trip in college. I said, yo, like, you trying to go to Colombia? So we went to Cartagena, but Medellin has escaped me. And I remember your stories and it was, every, like you said, large expat community and I see like a lot of people's stories there and it just, it looks incredible. And from what you're saying, it just makes me so jealous of your experience. And I know it's not going anywhere, so I am going to go, but you experienced it and you just love it, right? 
Yeah, I, don't get me wrong. There is still, you know, still dangerous in a lot of areas. But as long as you, you know, stay in, in certain areas at nighttime, is obviously is the main part. You're good. Uh, and yeah, the, the, the city is just incredible. And the people, I mean, all Colombian people, I found to be some of the warmest, you know, nicest people. And uh, yeah, just great energy, great passion, music. Aguardiente. Uh, <laughs> you like it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, me encanta. ¿Hablas español? It's not where I used to be, like when I was living in Spain, but you know, my, my reading, listening, and all that stuff is it's still pretty intact. It's the speaking, you know, I'm just a lot slower and not as coherent as I, as I once was. But, but I think the Colombian Spanish is, is beautiful. I mean, I'm sure you saw, I mean, you went to all these Spanish-speaking countries, but like hearing the accent, the different things, and I said, I really like the Colombian Spanish. But can you tell our friends what this uh, aguardiente is for for, they, for those who don't know? <laughs> it's uh, I don't know exactly what type of what type of uh, liquor it is, what it's made from. To me, it tasted kind of like sambuca. I don't know if anyone's had sambuca. Yeah, tastes kind of like. <laughs> Tastes kind of like uh, anise, like uh, anise seed. Um, so for some, like almost like black licorice. For some people, that might be a turn off. But I can assure you, if you go to Colombia, you will try it and uh, you'll get a taste for it. It's that, and and in uh, you know in Peru is has pisco. There's pisco in in Argentina, and I think Chile as well, but but I found it most in Peru. And then Argentina also drinks a lot of Fernet, which uh, it's actually Italian. It's a digestif normally, like so after meals and they drink it in a like a little glass. But uh, in Southern South America, like Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, they do Fernet and, and Coke and soda. So uh, it's an interesting combo. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's funny. All, all these different countries got their own, you know, their own choices of booze. Yeah, I mean, you got to go on like a, well, tour of the countries themselves, but you went on a booze tour and a food tour, everything, which got to get into. Yeah. But so briefly, so Colombia then, how are how we, how we still going? What, what's our routes that we got to Colombia? Yeah, so Colombia uh, hit some of the little towns uh like Hardin, Salento on my way down to to uh Bogota and I think just a side note I think Hardin is a sleeper town if anyone's been to Colombia I think Hardin was beautiful uh I think Salento is the one that has the tallest palm trees tallest wax palm trees in the world so that one gets more shine but I fell in love with Hardin so if you ever get the chance, go there. It was a beautiful little town, good hiking. So yeah, went down to Colum uh, to Bogota after that. Didn't stay very long in Bogota, only about a week. Uh, and just did basic like sightseeing stuff and met up with a friend who I had met uh, and actually on the Colombian coast. And uh, she showed me around a bit, but didn't didn't explore a ton there. I wish I could go back. But then from Bogota, I went to the Colombian Amazon. So, uh, yeah, so uh, that was that was an incredible experience. And uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the town. Um, I <laughs> I had it written down, too, because I knew I was going to forget. Uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Went down to the Colombian Amazon. And that was incredible. I basically found a, I didn't go through like one of the, there's a lot of tours down there that are like super touristy. They have like tour shops. And um, I ended up just meeting this guy through the hostel I was staying in. And he coordinated a fishing trip for me with just me and the guide because I love to fish. So it was just me and a guide. And we went four hours into so basically this part of the amazon it's like three countries all in one area so it's it's peru colombia and brazil all in one one region 
And so where we went in the boat actually was technically into Peru um, based on where we were on the river. Um, but that was incredible. Did a ton of fishing. Unfortunately, couldn't catch any big. I was going after like big fish, like an arapaima or uh, some other yeah, like a big catfish or something. But uh, unfortunately, the water levels were super high at that time, but caught a shitload of piranha and then uh, also saw like monkeys, uh, insane, caught crazy other fish too, like, uh, yeah, that were just insane looking on the Amazon. And then river dolphins. So pink, you know, the pink river dolphins that are in the Amazon. Yeah, we saw a bunch of those. So that was just ridiculous. Like, you know, talking. Yeah, like five yards away from me, we're in this tiny little canoe. Where there's dolphins. You know, one, I have a video of one, you know, jumping out of the, clean out of the water. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was an incredible trip. Uh, my guide, my guide, Alfonso. So, yeah. Shout out if he's listening. Shout out. <laughs> He, he won't be, but shout out to my boy, Alfonso. Um, and then from there, I think we, this is, it's going to be a, uh, a long convo if I go into every, every detail. But from there, I went uh, on the Amazon 20 hours and entered Peru via the Amazon River. So I did, uh, I still can't remember, remember the name of the Cumbling Town anyway. From there to Iquitos, Peru, and that was 20 hours with these two guy, two buddies I had met, uh, and that was, I mean, it was an experience. If I could do it again, I'd probably just uh, just fly into Peru, but for the experience, it was incredible. Yeah, you're on this massive long boat that has well, ours had 80 people on it. Uh, and it's like, you know, you stick your hand out on, on the other side of the boat. It's like a foot down and your hand's in the water. Like it's sunk way low into the water because they're just trying to, you know, make a ton of money and carry as many people as possible. Uh, probably not extremely safe, but it worked out. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that was another cool way to enter a new country. You know, I say, well, both by boat, but one sailing Panama to Colombia, then Colombia into Peru on the Amazon. Yeah, it was pretty epic. So, and then Peru. So you want to talk about Peru? Have you been to Peru? I, I've only been to Colombia and South America. Oh, okay. That's why the whole trip was like, you're going to all these places that I really want to go. So yeah. Yeah, you got something to look forward to in all these places because I would put Peru, I would say Peru is one of my favorite countries in the world, I would say. Yeah, I mean, just from a just from a well historical perspective, like the history of the country, and uh, but also just nature-wise, I mean, it's just one of the most beautiful places in the world, and you have such a diversity of I don't want to say ecosystems because that sounds kind of scientific, but like you know, desert, mountains, you know, lakes, snow, all within like you know, short really short distance of each other you can see such you know an extreme of of different things um the highlight for me probably of that trip was a hike i did in a town called juarez which is north of lima so lima is on the coast of peru uh on the west coast and north of lima a few hours north i don't remember exactly is a town called juarez and if you go to Peru, you have to go to that town. I did a hike there called uh, Wywash, Cordillera Wywash. And it's uh, eight, it's, it can be done in a week. We did it in eight days, but I did it without, me and my friend did it without a guide, actually. Um, but if you, if you go there, you can easily just get a guide and they'll have donkeys carry all your gear and food and stuff. And that's probably the smarter way to do it. Cause we thought we were saving, <laughs> saving some money and doing it. And, but we had to carry our stuff and it made it extremely difficult, but yeah, the, the mountains there are just some of the most beautiful scenery you'll see in the world. Uh, I mean, obviously I haven't seen a lot of the world, but I can, I can tell you from talking to other people. Yeah. Uh, so 
And yeah, I mean, you know, we got up to over 17,000 feet. I forget the exact amount of meters. Uh, I think it was around those 5,000 plus meters on one of the peaks. So you do have to acclimate ahead of time, but uh, that can be done just staying in Juarez uh, and doing some of the smaller hikes. There's a ton of hikes and lakes and stuff to see outside Juarez. So you could do that ahead of time before if you do want to do this hike. Uh, but yeah, that was just an incredible experience. Like, yeah, my mind blowing scenery. You can check check it out on my Instagram if you uh, if you wanna wanna see some of the. You've seen it. You, know, I probably just you know uh, some of my couple of my reels. It's some of the footage has been in, and then I have some of the original posts from back in uh, you know last year or sometime. But anyway, yeah. Cordillero Eyewash. If you like hiking, it's very di extremely difficult hike. Not for the faint of heart. Mm. Worth it. Yeah, one of the one of the top experiences of my life, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Man, okay, that that's that's my Peruvian mm -hmm. itinerary. Okay, so you're there, and then then yeah. Where? So I had done uh, Lima a little bit. Lima's great for food, I would say. Uh, one of the best food. Some of the best restaurants in the world are in Lima. So go to Lima, try ceviche there, get pisco sours, try all their different foods. It's it's incredible for uh, for food in Lima. The weather kind of sucks though, for being totally honest. So I didn't spend a ton of a ton of time in Lima. Um, sucks like humidity uh, like or overcast a lot of the time. Um, yeah. And just like the thing about Peru is I feel like Lima kind of gets overshadowed because there's so many beautiful places in Peru, you know, that it's a fine city and the food's incredible. So it's definitely a stop to make. Most a lot of people would probably fly in there anyway. So, um, yeah, then I I loved um, I, why am I forgetting the name of it? I haven't eaten dinner yet, Matt. So maybe that's why. Uh, I wrote it down too before. What's the name? Ah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna bug me. But there's a there's a town in in Lima, a city in uh, in Peru that I should say that gets overshadowed by Cusco, uh, Arequipa. Duh. Arequipa. Yeah, it's very another very popular one, but. Um, I fell in love with that with that town. Just incredible architecture. There's a every a lot, most towns in Latin America have a, a square, but I found that square to be one of the more uh, beautiful squares on the whole trip. Um, just with the cathedral in front and the sun would set to the side of it and stars at night and it's just uh, just a beautiful place, Arequipa. So that's one I'd recommend. And then obviously you've got Cusco, Machu Picchu. Um, yeah, I did the, I didn't do the Inca trail because it's like $600 and you have to schedule it ages in advance. And I didn't know when I was going to be in, yeah, I didn't know when I was going to be in Peru because obviously my timeline was super flexible. Uh, so I did another trail, uh, that takes five days and I did that in a group, um, again, Apologies for getting the name, um, but people, I'm sure people are looking into Machu Picchu. It's the it's the other trail that people take. It's just not technically the route that the Incas took to get to Machu Picchu, so it's not as famous. Uh, but that's incredible. I mean, lives up to all the hype. Just a stunning feat of human human uh, ability to to make something that been around so long so definitely see Machu Picchu and then um so Bolivia Bolivia was good uh I would say uh I I liked Bolivia a lot went back to the Amazon in Bolivia in a town called Vurenabaque I did get held up in that town by the Bolivian army uh yeah, they, they, uh, I had come back from this little excursion in, uh, into deeper into the Amazon to see some 
wildlife, like some crocodiles and uh, forgetting the name of the big, big rodent there. It's the biggest rodent in the world. Capybara. Capybara. Huh? Capybara. Yeah. And a bunch of other wildlife there, tons of monkeys. Anyway, so I come back from there and I'm going back to my hostel and I'm staying in this hostel that's like, Basically, me and one other guy are the only ones in there. Ruinabaca is this tiny little town in the Bolivian Amazon that's like right butting up against the Amazon. And people only go there to, you know, touristing to see the Amazon. And basically, two guys in the Bolivian army kind of presumably they would have followed me back. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, they obviously saw that I was a gringo, but maybe they saw my bag or something and figured that I might have money. Uh, and so they go up to, yeah, I mean, ultimately it was a shakedown. They go into the hostel, the hostel owners, this old lady, and she knew what was going on. So she really helped me out, but they let, she, you know, let them into my room. I had nothing to hide. So I was like, go ahead, search away. And this dude had one of the army guys, he had a towel over his head like this. And I was like, wondering, I was like, why is this dude have a towel over his? And I thought it was just because it was really hot outside and he was like sweating into the towel. But what ended up it being was that he didn't want it. He was going through my, uh, bum bag, my, my, uh, yeah, my little bag around my waist. Why am I forgetting the name of that? I'm saying the U S but, uh, fanny pack, the, and he's going through my fanny pack and he was, he was planning to plant drugs in there. And then of course, just be like, voila, found drugs. You need to pay us. Yeah. So that was his plan. And the reason he had the towel was because he didn't want us to take a video of him, you know, or take a picture of who he was to try and yeah. And she only, I didn't realize this at the time, the hostel owner was in the room with me and she started taking a video and I, I, she only she explained this to me after that what he was trying to do anyway yeah so that was fun they they did it and once we she started taking a video of them and yelling in spanish like you know i've been in business here for 20 years and because obviously if a gringo gets robbed at her hostel you know it's not going to look good if i go you know especially if i went on you know booking.com or whatever and hostel world and said hey i just got you know held up by the Bolivian army here and they planted coke in my bag. But anyway, uh, it was all good after that. Uh, they left and never bothered me again. And I got out of that town, but, um, like, yeah, that's insane. Like, like if, if you had, if she didn't look out for you, like, I mean, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. You still be in Bolivia. No, what would have happened was it, what I, I would have just had to pay them a shitload of money is what would have happened. That's, that's all they were after. You know, it's all, it always, you know, corruption in a lot of these, these poor countries all comes down to them just wanting to get paid. Uh, so that's what they're trying to do, basically just extort me, but luckily didn't have to pay. So that's good. <laughs> okay. So Bolivia then, other than that wild story, was it like, because uh, I don't really know much about Bolivia. I know a friend in college, his he was Bolivian, but well, I don't know much about it. Was it I mean, underrated. Uh, yeah, no, I eh? thought it was. I what thought was it was great. Uh, La Paz is a beautiful city. They've got a gondola structure uh, that runs through there. Not as beautiful as Medellin gondola. That's you need to go there. <laughs> uh, going up through, you know, the the hills in Medellin. But yeah, La Paz was beautiful. Extremely high altitude city. Um, yeah, it's one of the. Yeah, I think it's the highest capital in the world. Um, it was cool. Um, there's like a witches, um, witches market there. Basically they have like dead, uh, alpacas there, uh, or llamas, one of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, like they're, it's like a kind of like a tourist thing, but they have this whole like witches market, uh, that was interesting. And, uh, they have them hung up and they hung up. Yeah. The alpacas like hung are hung up. up you know, been dead for a while and they have them hung on the, yeah, it's, uh, it's strange, but it's a part of their, you know, it's a part of their religion. I think, um, you know, like, I don't know, black magic or what it is, but, uh, yeah. 
Um, what else in Bolivia? So, oh, the salt flats in Bolivia. Uh, yes, those are, especially with the Instagram, uh, the Instagram folk, those are very, very famous. So yeah, that, that was an incredible experience. Um, just, yeah, as far as the eye can see, salt flats and really trippy, trippy frame of reference, like, you know, you see all the pictures on there with, you know, because there's nothing behind it, you can take some pretty insane photos. So um, that was cool. Did a tour there for a couple days. And then, uh, and then from there, trying to think of how I entered, trying to think of how I entered Chile, Argentina, but anyway, yeah, from there was basically into, into Argentina, which would end up being one of the highlights of the trip, um, for a couple reasons, but the main one being Argentina would eventually win the world cup while I was there, which was like, it was so angry that I wasn't there, not angry for you, but it was like, cause we had a party here. Uh, at, at our you know, apartment in Turkey for the final, and we had like 16 people, which our apartment isn't big, so it was, you know, that's a lot of people in here. Mm. And I was telling people, like, because it's Argentina, France, if, if Argentina wins, I know this man's who is there, and he's about to, like, like, he's, he's going to be there if they win or they lose. Either way, that's like wild. And yeah. how was it? It was incredible, man. I, uh, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, there was a part because I was in a town called uh, uh, Bariloche uh, during for the final, which is a small touristy mountain town, beautiful area. I would I compare it to Lake Tahoe almost. Um, it's in kind of the center of Argentina, um, and closer to closer to Chile, kind of on the border to Chile and uh I was thinking about flying back to Buenos Aires like there was a part of me that was thinking about it but no matter where you were in Argentina it didn't matter I mean there was parties in the streets like it was absolute insanity I mean I've everyone all ages out in the streets flags everywhere jerseys partying from like the time you know a little while after the game ended into the night um yeah, just so happy for them too, because uh, yeah, they deserved it. Messi deserved it, uh, and just the passion they have for football is just—it's—it's it's not the same. It's a little sad that us Americans don't have a sport that everyone else plays that we care about. You know, uh, it's because the passion for it is just—it's—it's it's insane to see. And, uh, yeah. So, and my buddy, <laughs> I was on a glacier. I mean, obviously he's a Argentina fan. So he was just basically going to say, Oh, Argentina is going to win. Like he was going to say that anyway, but we were on top of a glacier in Ushuaia, which is that town I mentioned at the top of the podcast, the southernmost town in the world. We're on top of a glacier and I was like making a video and he starts talking to me. And he said, uh, uh, saludos, Argentina, like health to, health to Argentina, and then uh, championes del mundo, and basically was like calling out, like, we're going to win, uh, blah, blah, blah. And this was in October or something, a couple months before, and he calls it out. and Because going into it, you know, Brazil had beaten them in the South American uh, champ, I don't know what it's called. American don't know football, but the South American championship, like Brazil had beaten them. And on paper, some people said they were more talented. So it was like, Oh, we don't know how Argentina is going to do, but anyway. Yeah. So that was, that was incredible. You know? Yeah. That's oh, just, so were you, um, were you in Buenos Aires at all for like the parade like when the team actually came back? Because that just looked insane. No, I wasn't uh, by that. I was still still up north. I didn't go for the parade. I was in Buenos Aires for a couple of the uh, games prior, and that was insane. Uh, so, I, yeah. 
that's just, you know, like bucket list item kind of thing. Like to be in a country that wins the world. I mean, it happens every four years. Like there, you know, only was it 32 teams, I think in the world cup. And just like, if you are in one of those like teams anyways, if you're, if your country is in the world cup, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the country, like where they win, like, yeah. wow. So you timed perfectly. And again, I was telling everyone at this party, like, I wish I was this man. Like he, I, I, I remember telling Pearly, wait till his Instagram, like his first story or his stories. Like I'm just gonna be watching it over because like this is uh, a bucket list item for me. Like yeah. and you lived it. And oh my god. Yeah. And in I, in hindsight, I kind of wish I went. I just hopped on a bus because there was a bus before the World Cup final. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just hop on the bus. It was like. 13 hours or something. I was like, I could make it to Buenos Aires. But there was this girl in, that I was seeing in Bariloche, and Bariloche is beautiful. I was like, oh, I'll just stay here. And anyway, it, uh, I don't I don't regret it. It was still incredible. So, yeah. Okay. So we don't have a ton of time left, but so briefly you did Uruguay and then you did Chile, correct? No, I didn't do Uruguay. So – I did a little bit of Chile, but the reason I didn't do Chile is because Chile is very expensive in comparison in comparison to the other countries in South America, especially right now. Just obviously a, a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, will know Argentina is going through a terrible economic crisis right now with the inflation. And what that means for Americans or even people with euros as well. Um, is that you can go down there and live like a king. It's sad, but it's the, the truth. Um, they have a thing called the, the blue dollar, which is a, a different exchange rate than the government rate uh, that a lot of the locals use. So basically you send, you send yourself money, and then when you take it out in local currency, it's worth you know, a lot more. So when I was there... They, it was, I think, 375 pesos to a, or 330 pesos to a dollar, and now it's over 500. So you can like go down there and for like five dollars get a steak and a bottle of wine at a decent restaurant. It's it's sad, but it's incredible for us. It's because I've been following, you know. Um... So I don't know if you know or the listeners, but like Tur- Turkey is really about the inflation and the economic oh, crisis. And I've seen it's like Argentina, Turkey, like top highest rates of inflation, like the top five or whatever. I mean, like the Turkey isn't quite as bad as that. If when you're saying like five dollars gets you all that, I mean, you wouldn't be able to do all that here per se. But you know, just so one dollar when we came was about eighteen lira, and now just this past week, each day. Well, that now it's like 27 lira, but like each day it's the dollar is going up one lira. So it's, it's bad here, but not, not, not like that. Okay. So questions. So with, with your trip as a backpacker, um, what, what is a big thing that you would recommend? Like, like, like a bit, like your biggest piece of advice, like someone who does backpacking in general, but two, you took it the next level. You were backpacking for, for a year. You know what I mean? So, like, what's the biggest piece of advice to someone who is thinking about backpacking or, yeah, something like that? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on where you are, I guess, in your travel your travel journey. Um, you and I have been, you know, out of the country for extended periods during our 20s. So, uh, but I guess the piece of advice I would say is, well, there's a couple pieces of advice. One would be just just get off I mean, it's cliche, but just get off the beaten path. Uh, you know, uh, uh, backpackers are adventurous by concept in general. Like the idea of backpacking is already adventurous. But especially if you're going to go to a place like Latin America, I mean, if you're going to stay in hostels and especially cheap ones, like it's not going to be in it's sometimes not the nicest areas. Um, and you just have to kind of go with the flow and and. Uh, you know, and keep an eye out in certain areas. Uh, and then keeping on track with getting off the beaten path. Yeah. Just go, just try places that you're not going to find on, you know, on Google, on TripAdvisor. I think that's generally good advice. 
and um, so long backpacking trips. I find uh, and just travel in general, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Matt. Like homesickness is like a fleeting feeling. Like I don't really get it anymore because I've been, you know, traveling so much. But but when it does for a, a newer backpacker or someone doing a longer trip than they've done before, I find, you know, it's a fleeting, like I said, it's a fleeting feeling. It'll come, it might be strong. Like, Oh shit, I missed my dog. I missed my grandma. I missed my mom, whatever. Uh, but just continue and try to continue enjoying your travel as much as possible. And I find it'll pass. So. Nice. Yeah. I, I would, I, I agree. You know, it, it is something that, don't you don't want to get too caught up with the FOMO and that kind of thing because I feel like that will, you know, trickle into your current uh, location or whatever. Like you're just a bit of mindset. Yeah, and also like you know, when you do end up going home, you realize nothing's changed. It's the same thing you missed, and then you're back to where you were. So if you make some rash decision like, oh, I'm, you know, I've homesick. I want to go home. You're just gonna go home and regret, you know having left so just don't yeah just stick with it enjoy take it day by day enjoy your surroundings it's a it's a privilege to travel most people in the world can't travel you know so it's a privilege to travel and that's a really good piece of advice now with this trip because all the places that you went so did you with spanish like it, let's say you don't know any spanish going to this trip is it that much harder for someone who's going to go from Mexico to, to Ushuaia. Like, if you don't have Spanish, like, are you really like screwed? If you will, I know you have Google Translate stuff like that, but I mean, it'd be easier if you had it. But are you in a position because was there a lot of English spoken or how was it? Yeah, so it it depends on where you are in the, but it just comes down to if you don't have any Spanish, you're going to be dependent on others. Uh, so if you don't have any Spanish and you have friends with you, uh, you guys can figure it out together. But if you're trying to do it solo without Spanish in a lot of these countries and you want to leave some of the touristy areas, you know, you, you're, you know, you use the translator, I guess. But what I did was I took Spanish in school, but, you know, then forgot 90% of it because my family doesn't speak Spanish, never used it. So what I did before this trip is I hired a, uh, a tutor online. Uh, she was from Colombia. I actually met her in Medellin. Um, and shout out to Leska. Uh, good, great tutor. Learned a lot. And then on my trip, I also, I stayed with a host family in Guatemala for two weeks. Yeah, that was incredible. Highly recommend going to, if you're in Guatemala and want to go to Guatemala, go to Lake Aritlan and stay with the host family there and learn Spanish. And Guatemalan Spanish is an easier one to learn. Guatemala, Colombia, both the places that I learned Spanish in, I find where a lot Mexican Spanish is easy too, much easier than Argentina, Chile. They talk completely differently and it's, for me, it's hard to understand. So. If you're going to do a backpacking trip, not even for ease of of traveling around, but just I think it's respect to the places that you're going to at least prepare yourself. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to be able to enjoy it to the fullest if you don't speak their language or at least are able to understand or read some signs, you know. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I agree. I try to. You know, when we when I travel, at least learn uh, hello and thank you in, in that country's. You know, it it goes a long way. You know, respect. It was hard in Korea. I I'll tell you that it's hard in Korea, but Spanish is a much easier language, so in my opinion. Yeah, it hundred percent. So, um, before we start to wrap up, so you are currently in New Zealand, and uh, how did you get get there, and what's what's going on in the Kiwi land? <laughs> Yeah, so I've I I had done a uh, a working holiday visa in Australia actually before I went to Korea, and unfortunately our friend COVID uh, messed that up as well. Uh, got locked out of the country. Long story when I was in Thailand, but uh, couldn't complete my visa there. 
And so I couldn't get another visa to go back to Australia. Uh, so I ended up deciding to come to New Zealand. Um, and yeah, same similar process. You just go on the, uh, it's, I think it's until you're 35, anyone basically from most countries can uh, apply for these visas online. I think it's a couple, maybe $100 or something to apply. And uh, yeah, and then when you get accepted, you have a year to enter the country. And then you, uh, if the date that you enter the country, that starts your year long visa. So I just entered New Zealand, March 15th or something. So I have a visa here, excuse me, I have a visa here until March, 2024. And, you know, I can still leave the country and come back if I want, but my visa gives me the ability to work and travel in New Zealand until 2024. So yeah, man, it's been, uh, it's been good so far. I, I blew all my money on that trip last year. So it's just been work, 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 but, uh, yeah, no, totally, totally worth it. And, uh, yeah. So just saving money. I, I mentioned to you before the pod, I just bought a van. So, uh, yeah, gonna gonna start doing some trips here soon, and then you know, obviously it's it's end of June here, so this is winter time in Southern Hemisphere. So uh, weather's not great right now. Uh, so around October, when it starts to warm up, I'll, I'll start making real moves, like you know, stop stop working and and do it do it right, you know, straight nomad life out of the van. So what is what is your job then? I'm working for a company called Chorus. It's a fiber internet company. So I I obviously went to uni and I did a year and a half, two years. Well, I did some in, while I was at uni too, so maybe longer, but uh, of sales um, in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I have that experience. I have a lot of experience on the phone and in some other office jobs I've done. So yeah, just applied there and did a uh, in-person interview and yeah, it's uh, it's basically like customer support. Um, yeah, just helping them schedule uh, getting fiber internet installed. Yeah, it's good. So last question before I've got a little lightning round. Mm -hmm. So what is the future hold? I know you said you got the nomad life of van. Like where do you see, like where, where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing in five years from now? Oh, Matt. Deep questions, yeah. No, I mean, it's not deep. You're just you're putting me on the spot. Um, I don't know, man. I uh, I could just keep the train rolling and just uh, you know, yeah, and uh, keep finding new ways to to earn and travel, and that may be what I end up doing. Uh, I want to do a big. Uh, Southeast Asia backpacking trip after New Zealand because I haven't I've been to Thailand but I haven't been to a lot of those you know Philippines Laos Vietnam Cambodia yeah and then I do want to go back to Australia and see some friends over there but I haven't really thought beyond that um, but you know coming up on thirty here man so I turned twenty eight two days ago so uh, I don't know I don't I usually don't uh, feel the pressure of, of that, you know, the societal pressure of you've got to do X, Y, and Z by a certain time. I usually just, but yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll meet a girl and settle down and, you know, make my parents happy. We'll see how it goes. We'll see where life takes us. It's a journey. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone in five years. I don't know what I'm eating today. Like whatever. Yeah. Let alone five years from now. Damn. But all right, so I got a lightning round, got my little notepad here. So I'm going to ask you these questions, and you know, I don't really want you to think about it, okay? Just like what, what comes to your mind. So maybe you know this or not, but do you know how many countries you've been to? 42. What? Yo, me too. So <laughs> 28, 42, that's my man over there. Okay. Oh, damn, we're twinning. Let's get it. All right, here we go. So your fave country based on the scenery i'd probably go back to peru like i mentioned uh yeah peru okay so from all, all the great stuff we heard there okay i mean i 
interesting. It's, it's really hard to pick, but I'll just say Peru because this is a lightning round. Of course, lightning round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Your fave country based on food. Who has the best cuisine? Lightning, baby, lightning. I, okay, Mexico. There we go. Okay. Of course, you might have other answers if we think about it, but this is all yeah, lightning. Yeah, yeah, lightning. So your favorite country overall with everything considered that number one country? Lightning? Uh, everything considered. Uh, let's say, let's say Colombia. Colombia. Okay. So from all your travels, what is the, the mo the prettiest thing you have ever seen that, that wow moment, like, wow, that's, this is, this is earth. <laughs> it can be, as it can be seen. It doesn't matter. But from your travels that the prettiest site. Uh, again, could be a long answer, but for the lightning round, I'll say last year, Vulcan Acatenango in Guatemala, climbing an active volcano and watching it erupt. And that was, if you ever get a chance to go to Guatemala, it's still active, still erupting. It's outside of Antigua. Incredible. Hard to just hard to put into words. So, so your the best dish that you've had abroad. I know that's a tough one. Lightning round is is tough with that, but yeah, if you're lightning round, you're asking some tough questions, Mitzel. Uh, something like it can be. We can say South America, whatever you want, but just what, that one food that you had, or it's like, oh my god, I'm gonna need this again. Like, of course, there are many foods like that, but just if there is one or two that's really the front of your mind right now yeah i'll say I'll, I'll say ceviche in peru because they just they do it so well there's so many different types you've got the leche de tigre to drink after too um it's incredible yes it's it's phenomenal right. yeah so we'll say that then okay now just an airline question what's been the best airline that you've taken and with that the worst airline because I mean, I'm sure you've used many different airlines. Oh, yeah. Uh, the best airline. What the dude? Why is I need to eat some food, bro? What is the name of the? Uh, it's a Middle East, the Middle Eastern airline in the U that we you take in the U.S. Sometimes, super nice. Uh, why am I not Qantas, but? Uh, why am I not remembering? Uh, Emirates. Yeah. Uh, just in start to finish, incredible. Even in coach, the, the stewardesses are gorgeous. Just all these little, you know, extra amenities they give you. It's they've thought about the whole thing. Uh, yeah, Emirates is incredible, start to finish. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of what would be maybe maybe Ryanair. Uh, actually, you know what? I flew one to Colorado. Why am I? Fuck, I'm forgetting the name of it. But uh, Frontier, and that was pretty shitty. That's a yeah. That's a regional airline, and they kind of suck. They they make you they make you check like. You have to, oh no, you have to pay for carry on bags. Yeah, it was brutal. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's bare minimum, bare bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my last question What is your top uh, next destination where Japan. no money constrained? Yeah, Japan, no uh, it's been on my mind. I've, yeah. 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 Well, it hasn't escaped me. I could go there now if I wanted to, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. Yeah. Maybe I'll even teach English there. Who knows? So we'll see where life takes us. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So, yes. Um, where can people uh, find you in, in your travels? You got you on Instagram or what, what's, uh, you know, if they want to, they have questions about South America, this or that, where do we find you? Yeah. Uh, Instagram would be the place. I'm, I'm on there a lot. Uh, it's, it's, my name is Dario and your mother. It's a, it's a joke. It's a joke among friends. Just a joke, folks. 
So it's E A R I O and your mother, and that's my Instagram. I'm not uh, as prolific uh, a poster as Matt, but I uh, I do post my my travel content from time to time. If uh, if you care to check it out. And yeah, just if you have any last uh, closing remarks, it's been a been a great uh, conversation that we've had. You know, we talked about you know X, Y, and Z, and it's good to catch up. But you have any closing closing remarks? No, it's been a lot of fun, man. I, ahead of time, I didn't know how long we were going to go, but I barely even scratched the I surface know. of it. We didn't talk about Mexico, about so. Anyway, yeah, it's been great, uh, great chatting with you. Great catching up, man, and happy for you that you you got the podcast. Yeah. This is uh, exciting. I hope you grow it. I hope you grow it into uh, you know a big old a big old behemoth of a show. Let, let, let's get it. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for joining. Um, this p- p- will be released. I don't know when, but yeah, we'll get to it. And yeah, hopefully we can have you again. You know, I mean, I know, like you said, only scratch the surface. You know, I know I would love to hear more about all the other places. And it's just, you know, time goes by so fast. And yeah, but I really, really appreciate it. <laughs>